Welcome to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Heidi Simon. Heidi is a licensed social worker, and she also has a master's degree in social work. And more importantly, Heidi is passionate about supporting patients and families at end of life. I have known Heidi for several years, and she is an amazing hospice social worker. She has walked alongside hundreds of patients and families as they prepare for and experience end-of-life transitions. Heidi, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate you being here today to talk about your role in supporting patients and families at end-of-life. We have a great show for our listeners today, and I want to remind our audience we are broadcasting live and are looking forward to answering your questions. Please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205. Once again, that's the phone number is 952-946-6205. Our talented show producer, Eric, will be answering the phone lines today. And Eric does a great job running the soundboard, answering the phones, and keeping us on schedule. Thank you, Eric. Eric You're welcome. Before we begin today's program, I want to share with you why we host this weekly live call-in show. Our purpose is to have conversations on important topics in senior elder care and end-of-life health care to help you and your loved ones both live well and die well. We bring in experts from across the senior and elder care professions to provide insights on how to navigate the complexities and challenges of elder care and how we can prepare you and your loved ones for the transitions at end of life. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our senior population. We also talk about the lessons mortality can teach us and the importance of living our best each day. I am grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you have provided to us regarding this show. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. This show is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned practice serving local communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. You can contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice by phone at 612-930-3339 by email at radio at mnhospice.com or visit us online at minnesotahospice.com. We are living in unprecedented times in human history. As the baby boom generation continues to move into retirement age, our population mix is rapidly shifting. The Social Security Administration reported that over 4 million people are retiring each year. That equates to over 10,000 people every day, which is larger than the average size city in Minnesota. In fact, the Minnesota State Demography Center estimates that over the next 15 years, the population of Minnesotans age 65 and older will be larger than the entire population under age 18 for the first time in the state's history. We, here in Minnesota, are not alone in this extraordinary trend. The rest of the country is facing the same challenging reality. This phenomenon has far-reaching implications for our society, our communities, and our quality of life. Each week during this broadcast, we will be discussing the impact this mega trend will have on you and your loved ones and what you can do to prepare for it and live your best life. Once again, I want to remind you, we are live on the air today and look forward to taking your questions. You can reach us at 952-946-6205. Well, I wanted to also um, read an excerpt here in preparation for our conversation with Heidi Simon. Um, and this excerpt uh, comes from a book by Bronnie Ware, and it's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And uh, Heidi, I know we could have a show just on this book. Oh, we could, for sure. <laughs> In fact, there's several books that we want to have shows on that uh, 
are just amazing in their insight mm-hmm. into uh, our, our human condition and the, the cycle of life. But let me, let me just read these. They're short paragraphs. And there's just two of them. Um, but it's about our Western culture. And it just says, Our society has shut death out almost as a denial of its, of its existence. This denial leaves both the dying person and the family or friends totally unprepared for something that is inevitable. We are all going to die. But rather than acknowledge the existence of death, we try to hide it. It is as if we are trying to convince ourselves that out of sight, out of mind really works. But of course it doesn't. Because we carry on trying to validate ourselves through our material life and associated fearful behavior instead. If we are able to face our own inevitable death with honest acceptance, before we have reached that time, then we shift our priorities well before it's too late. This gives us the opportunity to then put our energies into directions of true value. Once we acknowledge that limited time is remaining, although we don't know if that is years, weeks, or hours, we are less driven by ego or by what other people think of us. Instead, we are more driven by what our hearts truly want. Hmm. This acknowledgement of our inevitable approaching death offers the opportunity to find greater purpose and satisfaction in the time we have remaining. Isn't that something? I, I read that just recently, and, and I'm always trying to give people that ask me, what do you do, Ken? And I say, well, sure. I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work at an amazing organization called Minnesota Hospice. But I said what we're trying to do is improve the quality of life for patients that we serve. And that involves their families as well. Right. And so, boy, today I'm just, first of all, I'm just so appreciative to have you here. Well, um, I'm honored. You, Thank you. You, uh, you play such an amazing role in that whole person care for our patients. And, and there's a, a lot of things that I would just love for us to talk about um, in, in your role and the experiences you have and, and helping our audience understand what is this hospice benefit you know, and the sad thing is, you and I talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. is that the majority of the people in the United States die without hospice. Right. It's, it's still less than 50%. Sure. And, and yet, here we are, this benefit that people have paid for their entire life, it comes out of your paycheck, every, every paycheck, you, you pay money into to the uh, Medicare hospice benefit, and yet people don't even know that it exists. And then, of course, when they do find out, they always say, I wish I would have known sooner. Right. And so we can talk a bit about, about all what, the, what that is, but it's certainly obviously a very – it's a great medical benefit and it has great medical care and very clinical care and wonderful palliative care, pain management care. And that's, a, that's very, very important. But there's a whole other side to the, the treatment plan and the care plan that you're intimately involved with. And I wanted to be able to talk a little bit about that today, right? Um, and uh, maybe have you share some of the things that you do in that role. And also, I do want to talk about this this uh, unique term called anamkara. Mm. And you introduced that term to me, <laughs> and then you explained it to me. I go, "Oh, that makes so much sense!" Right? That's something that we've been doing for thousands of years, many, many years. <laughs> and we kind of and we yeah. kind of lost that when we when we medicalized mm-hmm. death here in mm-hmm. the, this last generation or, or so. But um, uh, yeah, let's let's just introduce that briefly here before the first break. Well, you know, I was gonna I was gonna touch on what you opened with, Ken, and that's the fact that yes, we are looking at demographics that are going to shift our communities and the way we look at things. And I really think that that is going to create, as much as it's going to create some growing pains and some challenges, it's going to give us opportunity to then approach this, you know, what really is um, been referred to as another developmental stage that we've kind of removed ourselves from. So it's going to give us the opportunity to look at how can we really honor this time? How can we look at people that are moving through this period as teachers, as guides, and empower people to be able to really look at what it is that is important 
in terms of our care. And as we said, the term Anamkara is just that. It is an ancient approach that honestly was never even written. It was oral teachings that were handed down over centuries about how it is that we connect with someone soul to soul. And so when you translate that term, Anamkara, what it, what it comes out to be is a soul friend. And what that encompasses is what I feel we truly embrace um, at Minnesota Hospice in our practice and the way that we connect with people that come to us for end-of-life care and their families and the caregivers in their facilities because we don't want to forget the fact that they are also very much a part of this experience. And what it encompasses is really being that, that midwife to that person as they're moving through their experience. Also, being able to be that counselor for them when, um, when they need to be able to talk through some things and face some things that are ever-present at end of life, and then also to be that spiritual companion. Fantastic. Well, we're up against the clock here on the first segment, and uh, we're going to get more into those concepts you talked about here after the break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Heidi Simon. Make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I've seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. Hello, humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 on Monday mornings at 7.30. This Monday, I'll be back to talk about someone who's made the world a better place. Yes, Ellie 2.0 is about idealism and my own practical idealism, where I share not only about real heroes, but also about my work as I go across North America, training on human inclusivity, and where I seek to make the world a better place. Please tune in. Ellie 2.0 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Warning, stand-up records may cause intestinal distress, fits of insane laughter, instant diarrhea, existential malaise, headaches, nausea, dizziness, vomiting, seasonal affective disorder, more headaches, pneumomono-ultramicroscopic silico-volcanoconiosis. Stand-up records should not be handled by women who are pregnant, may become pregnant, have ever been pregnant, or personally know anyone who has been pregnant. Do not consult your doctor if he's operating heavy machinery. Stand-up records is for external application only. And stand-up records is, of course, good for a few laughs. So remember that's standuprecords.com. For the world's finest comedy CDs, DVDs, and merchandise, that's standuprecords.com. The revolution will be hilarious. Spring and summer is the right time to install your fireplace. Find your perfect fireplace and have it installed and ready before the cold weather hits again. If you already have a wood fireplace, consider a fireplace insert or check out the entire selection at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces on East Franklin and Riverside in Minneapolis. It will transform your inefficient fireplace into a reliable, environmentally smart heating system. This is Peter Solak, owner of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Have you ever watched your dog or cat curl up in front of a fire, it's primordial the way it touches both the animal and the human. We know that fire reaches deep into the heart and soul. Let us show you how. We have over 35 working units on display here in Minneapolis. We are located at the east end of Riverside Avenue at 2901 East Franklin. From I-94, take the Riverside Avenue exit. Find us also online at woodlandstoves.com. Let us help you make a fireplace part of your life. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Once I was seven years old, my mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Once I was seven years old. 
Welcome back to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Heidi Simon, Master of Social Work and Licensed Social Worker. She has been with Minnesota Hospice for several years, and she joins us today to talk about the role that a social hospice social worker plays in uh, treating and working with the whole person uh, in an end-of-life uh, transition, and uh, also how that relates to then the family, because the family is very involved in the care plans uh, when a person is in hospice. Before we jump into that, I want to remind the audience we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205. Once again, that phone number is 952-946-6205. In the last segment, we we started to talk about the role of the social worker uh, in caring for the whole person and their involvement in the family. And I, I want to uh, touch on a point that we had kind of glossed over in the first segment, and that is how, uh, and Heidi, you mentioned this, how we were we had this uh, approach for thousands of years uh, about the soul friend, and you mentioned the, the, the word anamkara, and we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit here, but we... For some reason, over the last uh, maybe hundred years, we've 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 really kind of medicalized and um, as I as the excerpt I read this in the first segment, we've really um, almost denied the fact that we're all going to die. Sure. And I, I I remember giving a presentation once, and I said I said look around the room. And uh, either you or someone you know is going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and people yeah. found that pretty funny. Uh, and I, but it's true though. We, you know, we we look at life sometimes um, as it's never going to end. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that we 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 kind of just like we used to with fathers in in the birthing of children, they sure. they they'd set them out you know, in a corner somewhere right, with right. these uncomfortable chairs and, <laughs> and on a linoleum floor. And, yeah. and they did let them know when, when the baby was born. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, I think that happened kind of also with the end-of-life experience where, you know, we just kind of put it out of our minds and, sure. and it happens. And, and I think you've got some great quotes from, you know, uh, various people about how we celebrate births and we celebrate weddings and we rejoice and all these mm-hmm. things. And then people die and no one really talks about it. We don't really it. even acknowledge it. In yeah. that same way of the preparation and the honoring of the experience itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when, and, of course, I've learned so much from you and uh, from our other psychosocial people, our chaplain, and um, just about all the things that go on as a person approaches death. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and I think our chaplain, uh, Debbie, says that that's when you have true enlightenment right before you cross the threshold and transition. Mm-hmm. It all just kind of makes sense. And, and she said, I wish we could make that happen earlier in life. Right, right. And, and so, but anyway, I, I just do want to continue our conversation about about how that shifting in terms of how we approach end-of-life care and, and how what you guys are doing, especially trying to bring that back into this whole person approach. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is true. I mean, we are very blessed to have the advancements of medical interventions and technology. And so, of course, that's, that's very important. And at the same time, that has caused us to look at this very natural experience that our body is designed to know to do as somewhat of a failure. And so our um, society has really wanted to avoid it because it, it looks like that we haven't done enough or we haven't done the right things. And so we feel, we feel burdened by, um, by what we haven't done instead of looking at the possibility of You know, from time of diagnosis, whatever it is, people can feel hopeless. It is, you know, like being shell-shocked. And that's really when the grief begins. And from that point, we know that that's truly where the transformation is already happening because we're already engaging in life review um, looking at all the areas of our life that we you know we'll talk a little bit as we go here about what we refer to as elements of spiritual pain because let's face it life is messy and as messy as it can be that's the beauty of it 
because everything is experiential and everything is individual. And that's really what we, um, I believe on our team, we really focus on is that we want to provide the opportunity and the space for this experience to be what it should be for that person and for their family members. And so while we're there, really we're, we're advocating for them. I like to think of it as being their champion and being their companion, which is really similar to the ancient term that we mentioned before, the Anamkara, because what that does is just acknowledge that sometimes what people really need is the gift of someone being present, that we're not necessarily um, coming in and telling them this is how it should be or this is what you need to do. We're saying, I see you and I hear you. And acknowledging that while we cannot fix what's happening, we can accompany you and your family and whoever else they may feel is important in this, whether it's a caregiver or, or friends or, I mean, even, you know, our approach to, to the holistic care is to include the pets and the other um, beings in their life that are important to them. Because it's truly, it truly is a community experience. Right, right. And, and one of the things that um, uh, has been so interesting for me to see is, is how involved you and the rest of the hospice care team get. I mean, you really in some ways become almost like family just because you come in with this expertise. You come in with this, like as I mentioned, you've, you've walked hundreds of people through this process mm-hmm. and you've seen a tremendous amount of things and you understand the fears that people have surrounding the dying process and the death experience, but also you can give them comfort in that this is a natural process and, and there are some things that tools that can help them navigate through there. Um, right. and, and a lot of times, you know, as you said the family is in a state of shock mm-hmm. um, when all of a sudden that, that, uh, that news is given that maybe there's a limited time left. And so they're, they're grappling with that and, and it's tough. And then of course, as we talked many times, those the the spouse or the children, they fall into the caregiver role, and they kind of lose right. their identity as a spouse or a child. And what that does is it breaks down maybe some communication that really you want to have fostering and and include in that time because at the end of life, and we'll talk about this later, how yeah. how the relationships are so important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's key too because it is really important in initially just being present. So one of the things that we hold very dear is, you know, hospice is your benefit. It's your choice. And you can choose any company that you want to provide that. And it's so important to us to just know that people will have the blessing of the service that what we like to do is offer a consultation. It doesn't even matter if you choose our hospice. We just want to give you the time to talk about what it is that you're facing And like I said earlier, to be seen and to be heard. Because the beauty of this benefit is it is individualized and can look however people and their families want it to look. Fantastic. Let's um, let's keep that thought for the next segment. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Heidi Simon. Most of my boys are with me. Some are still out seeking glory. And some I had to leave behind. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, author and activist Marianne Williamson on navigating these dark yet promising times, Professor David Ferris on why it's fair for Democrats to fight dirty and how to do it, Major Danny Sherson on American independence, and we'll also talk about the soft corruption of our student debt system. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 till midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
Now, through July 11th, Warner Stellion guarantees unbeatable prices on hundreds of top-rated appliances, including laundry pairs starting at $4.99. Save 10% on select Bosch and KitchenAid dishwashers, then save more with free installation from our trusted specialists. Unbeatable savings on kitchen suites in all the hottest new finishes, like Slate from GE and Matte Black Stainless from LG. Buy at the lowest price guaranteed. Then relax and trust our specialists with all the rest. Through July 11th, and only at Minnesota's original appliance specialist, Warner Stellion. The local advertisers you hear on AM950 are the lifeblood of the station. If you find yourself regularly tuning in, or if you appreciate the diversity of content we deliver, please take the time to support our advertisers. Even if it's just to thank them for backing AM950, your voice and support can go a long way. Help keep the station going strong while investing in our local community. Find the complete list of on-air supporters by visiting the advertisers page at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. Did you miss spring cleaning? Then it's time to get your carpet Zero Res cleaned for the summer. There are lots of carpet cleaning options in the Twin Cities, but only Zero Res cleans with patented powered water so you know you get healthy, clean carpet that's safe for your family. So schedule your carpet cleaning today and get the Zero Res Summer 3-Room Special. And this month you can still get a great deal on your air duct cleaning. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and designed jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today has a 30% chance of rain with highs near 87. Tonight, storms continuing with lows around 68. Sunday will be cloudy and rainy with highs near 81, but should clear up by Sunday night with a low around 66. Monday, high of 86 and a low around 69. Eat local Minnesota.com's restaurant of the week is Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club. Offering a unique and contemporary spin on continental cuisine, Crooner specializes in food and drink made popular in the 1920s. Check out this fabulous dining experience at 6161 Highway 65 Northeast in Minneapolis. Soon we'll be 30 years old Our songs have been sold We've traveled around the world And we're still roaming Soon we'll be 30 years old Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Heidi Simon. She is a licensed social worker and with a master's in social work and uh, has done tremendous work with the Minnesota Hospice Organization over the years. As a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us at 952 952- Nine four six six two zero five. Once again, that's nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Last segment, we were talking about care for the whole person and how hospice provides uh, a very unique medical benefit. It's uh, the the model of hospice care is uh, interdisciplinary. It has obviously great clinicians that understand how pain management is done. Uh, they have access to the most advanced uh, uh, um, uh, drugs to help with pain. And that's very, very important to get a person comfortable. Um, but on the other hand, the beautiful thing about this uh, hospice benefit is that a, a team like such as yourself, Heidi, gets a chance to ask the questions about the spiritual side, the emotional side, the psychological side. Um, and as we talked about how when you and your team come in to work with a family and walk alongside them in this journey, um, you, you bring your expertise and help them alleviate some of the fears they may have and the misunderstandings because, again, we as a society don't talk about death. We don't put that into perspective. And because we don't do that, it doesn't put our life in perspective either sometimes. Right. And because we don't know that we even have this benefit – and sometimes don't realize how much we actually deserve to acknowledge this experience, we have a lot of misperceptions about what's offered in it. And we have no idea that it can totally be designed 
the way in which a family would want. So when, when I say advocate or companion, that those terms represent however the family and the patient want their care and their support to look, we make sure that we're creating that opportunity for them. And sometimes, you know, you, you, um, you have a hard time. You, you're going through this experience. It's this total shift in everything that you thought think, how things were going to be. Um, you have conversations that need to be had, and you're not sure how to have them. Um, and yet you have an opportunity to tell us, to tell your caregivers, this is how I want it to look initially. And over time, what I see all the time is that once that trust and that rapport and that authentic compassion that we exchange to one another, once that has an opportunity to be experienced, I really see things shift. And it, and people are saying, I would really love if you would come over. Or in one experience um, with one of our very, very dear patients, we found out after, you know, even though during the time we were with him, we knew how much we meant to him. But after he had made his transition, his children said, that he referred to us as family members. Mm. Um, so it's it's really important to be mindful of making sure that our care is specific and that it's always evolving, it's always growing. I mean, that's really the essence of life and that's the essence of the journey itself is that it's always changing. And I, I um, heard this analogy, and I'm a very visual person, and I heard this analogy once and it really resonated with me because unless you're in this experience yourself, you really don't know. I mean, we only do this once, just like birthing in, we birth out. And it's one time that we experience that. And the idea is, is that let's just imagine that you are going on a trip. And now let's add to that, that you're not really sure where you're going. There is no map that you can follow. And maybe you're not really even sure about the destination. And that it's in itself creates this fearfulness about the road ahead. And so just that, that way of describing it would be overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I think about in my own experience, my own personal experience with hospice care and how it's impacted me. And I think about really what I envision it to be in my practice. And, um, again, I'm visual. So we came across this story that really spoke to me. And if you don't mind, Ken, I'd really like to share it because I think that sometimes it can be really hard to, you know, we can hand people paper and we can have conversations, but sometimes just being able to imagine it or picture it, um, can kind of explain what we're trying to get at in terms of what does this end of life care really look like? Oh, that'd be great. I, I love the stories. In fact, the audience, that's one of our feedback. They just love the stories. Great. Both the personal stories of journeys, but also the stories that we can bring to them. So, yeah, please go okay. ahead. Thank you. And it's called Hospice is Like a Canoe Journey. The patient directs the way, loved ones come along for the ride, and the hospice team paddles. The hospice patient remains the navigator, telling us all where he or she wants the canoe to travel how fast we should go, what waters to explore, and how long the ride will last. The paddlers keep the canoe afloat. They steer hard and paddle fast when waters are rough. They keep the craft straight and sure. Sometimes loved ones tire and wish they could get out to rest. The paddlers keep the canoe upright and moving forward, pointing out the rocks, the rapids, and the dangerous falls while searching out still waters that will permit the loved ones to find respite. Some paddlers provide diversion when the journey becomes tiresome. Others cheer everyone on. In return, their efforts, the paddlers receive bright and shiny gems, invaluable insight into the life and the beauty of the human spirit. And I know there are so many ways in our communities that we look at this, that we embrace it, that we honor it, But I think at the same time, the one universal truth is that this is one experience that we all share and we are all connected in this, really what we often like to call it an event. 
because I think that that really represents what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, that's one of the things that I know you guys are trying to get people to rethink or reframe is that when people say, oh, they're dying, well, yeah, there's a, there's a more certainty of a timeline, but they're still living. You're, you're still alive. As you say, the event is the last breath. Right. That, that's what death is. But it's amazing the things that we learn and that what we can be taught by a person that's on this journey, on, on a more certain journey than maybe we are at this point, although we never know. I mean, right. you know, a car accident or you know, things happen. And um, you know, in some ways, those are the harder deaths to deal with, and that's a separate show. And you know, we've sure. talked about that in the past a little mm-hmm. bit, how, the, how going through an unprepared uh, death is, is much, can be harder than at least you know what's ahead of you and can prepare and, again, uh, talk to people like yourself who are experts in helping people deal with those fears and, and deal with the enlightenment also that happens at end of life. Well, and the truth is, is that having this opportunity to, you know, we're going through life review when you're in end of life and things are going to come up such as, um, you know, I talked earlier about those aspects of spiritual pain and the fact that we all in our living are in relationship with others, with things, with ideas and hopes and dreams. And so what's really critical during this time is to provide the opportunity for those areas of spiritual pain to be seen and to be acknowledged and in a lot of cases to be healed. This period of our life, which when you think about how long we're living now, a very wise woman once pointed out the fact that we are living 30 years longer than we had in the past. That's true. Which essentially is an entire adult lifetime. Mm-hmm. And yet, we tend to continue to just kind of push that that experience or that reality away when in fact, wow, can you imagine what we could create as a collective if we truly embraced that and brought that to the forefront and right. you know, created that balance of let's look at the 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 need for our youth and the ideas and and all that they can create and let's also look at the other end of the spectrum and let's bring those two together to create that harmony that that we all just really mm-hmm. need um those four aspects of spiritual pain that we touched on mm-hmm. which are meaning and relatedness hope and forgiveness are universal to our experience and to what we move through in this life. And it looks different for everyone and not everyone moves through that in the same way, which again, I just, I really value my team because I I feel that we have a unique way of understanding that and not creating a cookie cutter approach based on, you know, you have your, your, services that you need to provide, but we really take it to the next level. And when we say the gold standard, we really embody that in everything we do and in the way that we incorporate our care and having our families and our patients be a part of designing that. Because, you know, it's it's an opportunity for a generational impact to occur. The way that we move through end of life and the way that that impacts our grieving sends out a ripple, not only in ourselves, but also into our communities. Mm-hmm. And I That's know true. that you've experienced that, Ken. I mean, yeah. we're, we're all faced with, you know, loved ones or friends that have a diagnosis and an end-of-life experience and, and then make their transition. And when we think about what's most important, it's the living that's happening while that person knows that they're dying. And the other piece that we really um, focus on is differentiating dying and death. Because in our culture, in our society, we tend to use those terms interchangeably. But if we separate them out, we look at things like meaning and relatedness and forgiveness and hope in a very different way. In fact, I know on previous shows, we've pointed out the fact that hope changes as you approach end of life and by mm-hmm. having the ability to have these conversations and look at this like a transformative time that hope has a new face. 
Yes, we've only got a minute left here, but I, I want to just touch briefly on this concept. And, and you introduced this to me that there can be healing while you're dying. And and that's probably a whole show topic, but we only got a few seconds in this segment here. Um, uh, and maybe we, we jump into that at the next segment here. But I think one of the things, other things you talked about was this personalized care. And because we all have a unique life experience, that tends to then dictate our death experience as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can touch on that a little bit at the, after the break here. I'd love to. Um, all right. Well, it's time for a quick break. We will be right back to continue our conversation with Heidi Simon. Minnesota's original appliance specialist, Warner Stellion, is excited to announce the opening of its new store, located off Broadway and 35W in Northeast Minneapolis. Now, here's what we're going to do at our new store. We're going to sell all the best brands at guaranteed unbeatable prices. Then we're going to deliver and install them right and fast. It's been a long time since a new appliance store opened in the city of Minneapolis. You can see us from the highway. We're on the east side of 35W next to Boyer Ford. Come for a visit soon. Hi, I'm Scott Peterson with the Minnesota News Network, inviting you to join us for Minnesota Matters, a weekly program that highlights everything that matters in the North Star State. This week, President Trump visits Minnesota, the controversial Enbridge 3 pipeline, and new Minnesota State Fair foods. Tune us in on your local station or at minnesotanewsnetwork.com. Listen to Minnesota Matters every weekend, Saturday mornings at 5.30 and Sunday mornings at 6.30 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com, from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth? For one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar and visit allenergysolar.com today. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today is Heidi Simon, an MSW and licensed social worker, and she is a very experienced hospice social worker. And we've been having some great conversation both on the air and off the air. And um, uh, 
we are at our last segment here. So I want to make sure that if you have any questions to ask of Heidi, uh, this is the time to do it. We're in the last segment of the show. Um, you can call us at 952-946-6205. Once again, that number is 952-946-6205. And uh, at the end of the show here, um, I'll be sure and give you the information to contact us at Minnesota Hospice, and we can follow up with you on questions or comments you may have anytime. Last segment, we talked about the journey and life review and the canoe and all kinds of great things mm-hmm. to help give people a sense for what what is this process and, and what is the support that the hospice program, uh, a comprehensive hospice program, um, can do for families and for patients. And I wanted to mention, too, that uh, this is the only medical um, program that the government requires us to not only do an evaluation of the patient right. and understand you know, where they're at and um, you know, from, a, from a physical standpoint, but we also explore the emotional and spiritual sides of a person. So we really are required by, by Medicare and, and uh, their programs to do that. And what's even more amazing to me is it's not just for the patient, but we're also asked to explore those same emotional and spiritual areas with the primary caregiver. Yes. And, and Heidi, as you and I have talked about <laughs> yeah. so often, even the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, mm-hmm. says that between 86 and 90% of all disease that we experience in life is psychosomatic. Oh, it's, yes. it's emotional or spiritual driven. And yet our healthcare system you know, focuses, as you mentioned before, we have an amazing healthcare system, and it focuses on the physical right. when in maybe the vast majority, 80 to 90 percent of the time, it's an emotional or spiritual issue that is creating the disease in a person. So, yes. you know, I, again, I've got to be careful of time here. That's a whole other show, and I'd love to explore that with you in the future. But I know we want to talk about some advanced care directives and other things here in the last segment as well. So... Well, you know, I guess the main thing for me that I feel is just most important in all of this is just being open to the opportunity to have the conversation. So first of all, if you or someone close to you is facing a diagnosis, this is the time to keep the door open, to open the door, to transformational conversations to, you know, it's, it's an experience for that person, whether it's, it's a diagnosis that is a diagnosis itself, or it's leading to that terminal result. Mm. It's a very lonely experience if you don't have anybody to talk with. Oh yeah. And we certainly wouldn't approach any other milestone in our life, like the birth of someone in that same way. And, and this has the same importance for someone to be able to express What's on their mind and what's on their heart and how do they want living to look when they know that they're dying? And so when we talk about advanced care planning, this can be done. I mean, it's recommended for people of all ages of adulthood. And so if you think about, you know, these conversations are not easy to have. They're not easy to start. Um, They're difficult. People don't want to hear that or think about it. But, I mean, if we look at advanced care planning, it's really reviewing what are what are my wishes if I were to have a, a an incident, a medical incident, what would I want to be resuscitated? Where would I want to be? How would I want to be cared for? So that in and of itself is such a gift. I even think about I have uh, children who are in their late 20s and what a gift it would be, even though they're young and and I pray that that would never happen. But for me to know exactly what they wanted and to know that I did it the way that they intended it to be, because that relieves that caregiver and that loved one of any second thoughts or any guilt about either doing or not doing what their loved one wanted them to. And by doing that advanced care planning is a really, I guess, non-threatening way to kind of open the door to those conversations, because that's when you get to start talking about 
our mortality. Really, that's what we're planning for. We plan for everything else. So why not be mindful about that? And then in addition to that, incorporating end-of-life care, knowing that this is your benefit, this is waiting for you, You've, you've earned this. What about the idea that, you know, we all have the right to interview hospices? People don't know that, that just because you are referred to a provider doesn't mean that that it's who it has to be. You can interview as many as you want, and it's your choice. So I think it creates an opportunity in all realms, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental, to be able to approach this as in a conversation, but in a way that makes sense to people, where they're not feeling like it has to look a certain way, because we all do this so very differently. Well, that's one thing you guys have said before so many times. This is not a cookie-cutter approach. And, you know, many times in life, especially in the, um, the American system of, of production, it's trying to do the same thing over and over and over again. And that's not how it works in hospice. That's right. not, not how it should work in hospice. And it's not how it should work at anybody's end-of-life journey. And that's why you say these advanced care plans are very customized, personalized things. And I know you are a certified honoring choices. I am. Um, a person, so you're able to help people a little bit with understanding how that process works. Yes. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, love it. Yeah, boy, I tell you, this segment just blew right oh. by Heidi. <laughs> this show just blew right by. We didn't even oh. get to a third. I know. Listen, a quarter of the things we want to talk about, but we'll have you back again. Thank you. I'm honored. Because there's so much to talk about. Well, that wraps up our show for today. I want to thank Heidi Simon for joining me and sharing her insights and experience on hospice and end-of-life care. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please feel free to contact us with any questions or comments you have regarding today's conversation or let us know of topics you'd like for us to discuss on future shows. You can reach us by phone at 612-930-3339, by email at radio at mnhospice.com, or visit us online at minnesotahospice.com. Next week, I will be talking with Melanie Bowes, an attorney with Pluto Bowles Legal, on the topics of conservatorship, guardianship, and trusteeship, and why you need to be aware of these legal concepts and how important they are in planning for elder care issues and end-of-life health care. Thank you for listening to the Minnesota Hospice and Health Care Show, and until next time, live well.